0: Come on, kids. Pipe down now. The Substitute is here. You know what time it is. It's episode one. F- or Actually, I'm, not, I'm all mixed up. It's season 143. Uh, in, one, in one moment, I've, the teacher warned me about you, Miss Loftus. I will get to you in one second. First, I want to welcome to this class, I'm going to write on the chalkboard, season 143, episode three of the Daily Zeitgeist. It's a production of iHeartRadio, and it's the podcast where we take a deep breath dive, sometimes maybe too deep, into America's nasty shared consciousness to say, off the rip, it's fuck the Koch brothers, Fox News, mm-hmm. Rush Limbs off, Limbaugh, Limbaugh, whatever, Limbs Off, Limsy, uh, JK Rowling, anybody can get it if you're not here for inclusion and diversity We you don't have time. If you're still in after that, then you're going to like the show. If not, you know, maybe turn the podcast off. It's free. So don't do that to yourself. It is Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020. My name is Miles Gray, a.k.a pierre Emmerich Obama-Grang, a.k.a. Thierry on Weed, a.k.a. Lee Splipson, a.k.a. Thomas Rositzky, a.k.a. Stashley Cole, a.k.a. Tuscany Sansom. Now, some of you probably don't know what the hell that was, but that was a lot of North London legends right there. Uh, and thank you to Hungry Hungry Hippolytus at Professor XL for those, uh, you know, those Arsenal-inspired AKAs honoring the FA Cup run because we are in the final. Uh, but I digress. Enough about my favorite team, and honestly, my make favorite co-host. That. <laughs> I, know I'll, I know. I'll bring it back to Bruins talk in a second.
1: There, I.
0: I <laughs> well, allow me to reintroduce you as my <laughs> recurring co-host uh, and just overall legend in the game. Please welcome Miss Jamie Loftus.
2: We are young.
1: Isolate, isolate. We stand six feet apart. <laughs> wash our hands. Love is a battlefield that's from at water chestnut Dude,
0: great song love pat benatar shout out, to Ma- know, shout out to myron grombacher the drummer of pat benatar
1: she got the a real mom haircut legend Pat
2: benatar. yeah
0: i think she just yeah. like a lot of those 80s people who like they just get the huge check they're like i will now live in hawaii forever and i don't want to talk to anybody and i don't need anything yeah. except to live with this ocean view. Uh, Jamie, 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 thanks for coming by. You know, these substitute gigs are not easy for me all the time, so I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: I'm here to make things uh, more disorganized (laughs) and harder.
0: (laughs) Well, please help me uh, introduce and welcome our first-time guest. Uh, She is actually part of the iHeart family, but a first time on this show. She's a writer, she's a podcaster, host, pretty much, you name it, she can do it. Please welcome Eve Jeffcoat.
2: Hey, y'all. I'm Hi. so happy to be here, and I really feel like I cannot follow that introduction, Jamie. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, and that's how it's, gotta what
0: what you, it's like got to be. We're you here. Got any AKAs, Eve's? I, I
2: yeah. don't have any AKAs. I feel like I should be christened here. I mean, what what better place to 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 be honored with AKAs? I don't have any I'm, of my own. Yeah.
0: I guess Eve's St. <laughs> Laurent, uh, but that's just a not much of an AKA. It's just a pretty Saint one-to-one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna get to know you even better, but first we gotta tell our listeners what's going on. I'm just gonna check in. You know, been checking around with like white supremacy. Uh, Need to check in with Toxic Masculinity, too, because boy, oh boy, uh, it's it's going down right now. Uh, We're also going to take a look at what's going on in Missouri, because um, I don't know if you saw that couple who was pulling guns on peaceful protesters. uh, They've been charged with a crime, uh, and we'll see what happens to them. Spoiler alert, nothing. And uh, we'll also check in uh, with Trader Joe's, because uh, they're under some... They're under some stress right now, you know. People have been catching on to their the the like whimsical ethnic food uh, iterations of Trader Joe's on labeling. They're like, okay, so now that we're uh, putting white supremacy under microscope, can we also talk about Trader Jose's and all this other shit? Uh, so we'll get into that, and also shit about Trader Joe's. I did not even know. But first, before we do any of that, Eves, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are?
2: Okay. So this is something that's been top of mind for me lately. And I've been doing a little bit of research into exercise-induced urticaria. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, urticaria. Um, it's basically uh, what I gather from it is is that it's allergy to, to exercise. Um, there's this thing, this really strange thing that happens to me anytime I get back into running. And the background is, well, I say get back into running as if I actually like to run and I actually do it regularly. <laughs> I don't. But anytime that I do, um, anytime that I do run, I get this like really, really, really crazy itch um, that like doesn't go away that I kind of have to train out of and run for a couple of days. And so it's been super, super annoying. And I I, I would have to take an antihistamine anytime. I took even like two weeks off of running and Whoa. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that would, yeah, that would get rid of it completely. It would be like a pop of an antihistamine about 30 minutes before a run and then go out and run. And usually I like to run tracks because I, I don't, I I like, <laughs> like I said, I don't like to run. And like, it just freaks me out to run anywhere else. And so like after right. about 800, <laughs> I was like good to go on the itches and it would be unbearable. And that's been something that I've been dealing with for a while. So I realized like how much I've been thinking about it. And like how much it was in my Google search history recently, because it's something that I refuse to see a doctor about. I'm like, no, I'm better than this. Like, I can do it on my own. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. I can run through it. If I run through it, I'm a better person. Like, I don't know. That's that. Yeah. But it's just super annoying. And it's um, I've
0: never heard of this before. I mean, can you describe this? Just the second you said it, I'm like, this is very novel uh, for me. But like, is it an isolated part of your body that begins or you have like a full body it- itchiness?
2: So I have to say that I'm also self-diagnosing. Like I said, I haven't talked to, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Talk, talk to anybody yeah. official about it. But from what I gathered from my very accurate Google searches, um, <laughs> it, it like, it's usually in my legs and I'll feel it in my core as well. But it'll feel like a million fire ants are just inside of me and I, oh, I can't wow. scratch it Whoa. away. Yeah, I can't scratch it away. Um, and I realized, well, I'm linking in my head.
0: Um, mm-hmm. That's fine. That's what we do here. This is okay, not a medical cool. podcast or an actual... No, no one's a professional here. It's a second-rate yeah. rant sesh. Uh, yeah, but please skip the ads. Skip
2: the ads. Right. <laughs> the ads. right. So I, I also, like, my nose runs like crazy anytime I'm doing any sort of cardio. Like, yeah, when too. I would go to high-intensity okay. interval training classes... I would always be the one running out of the classroom to the bathroom to blow my nose and was like, what, what's going mm-hmm. on with me? Like nobody else is doing this.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: obviously that was in the before times. I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> any group exercise classes right now, but
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you can do uh, that H I I T on, on phones. Now I've been, uh, I, the first time I did it was on an app and that was, that was an intensity. I was not uh, ready for. I should have, the, but it was written there, high intensity. I don't know why I thought yeah. it would be intense if you're know, just high doing it.
1: I didn't know what HI, like, I didn't know what that was until quarantine. And then now there's all these ripped YouTubers screaming at me every night. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Wait, so you just,
0: you just put it on and just go to sleep. You don't actually, you're like, I don't know. And they just, they just no, scream I, do,
1: at me? I do the I do the exercise, but it's like, yeah, it's like this series of, youtuber that i watch well sometimes they'll like throw it in in like oh wow and so they're like we're gonna switch to like h-i-t-t and i was like i don't know what that is and then they're like (laughs) we're gonna kill you
0: yeah they're like ready to fucking ready for the ladder and you're like i've leveled
1: up from (laughs) jane fonda and now i'm into some scary that's what i
0: was saying because you've definitely you've you've marched through the kingdom of fonda aerobics and now you're saying, like, yeah. is this is this your queen? Is this all you have to offer me? My you has you're looking f-
1: past a need for the Jane Fonda table. There's, <laughs> there's more out there.
2: It, it is it is a little weird to be yelled at and know that that person doesn't have the actual feedback of you being more motivated. It's like, yeah, you're, <laughs> right. you're yelling at me. I feel really encouraged, but there's no way, no way you can receive that right now. And it's yeah. kind of weird <laughs> on your end.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, this is my question to you. Uh, Jamie, does this ever end with you doing CrossFit?
2: I feel like
1: that is a step too far, but I don't know. At this point, I wouldn't rule anything out. There,
0: I feel like Sunny would neg you into doing CrossFit, your dog. But.
1: I'll, I'll recommend someone just because I was embarrassed to be watching fitness YouTube, but then I found out that uh, frequent guest Sarah June uses the same fitness YouTuber as me. Uh, her name is Chloe Ting, and she's so nice and Is that the person they
0: asked if there's a robot?
1: Oh, did I, maybe. Did I see an
0: article today that's like, is Chloe Ting a robot?
1: Why would they say that I about don't know. her? Whatever. Splendor. We
0: we're getting she, we're getting I, too caught up in fitness YouTube.
1: Yes, it is. It, whoa, is Chloe Ting a robot and other facts about YouTube's fit? She's not a robot. She seems really nice. If she's a robot, <laughs> I re-
0: She's love a robot, robots. we have I gotta call Isaac Asimov stat. Eves, uh, <laughs> what is something that you think is underrated?
2: Hmm. So uh, I had to think really hard about this, um, but I think that saying I don't know is underrated. Um,
0: this is big. This has been I, a new trend yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And, I, and obviously, it's really true that there is a world of info like at our availability that we have immediate access to. Like, that's definitely true. A Google is a click away. Like, we have all of that at our hands. And I feel very fortunate, you know, to be able to look up Whatever I want to, including exercise-induced urticaria um, to figure (laughs) that out. But I think that when, you know, it's definitely important when it comes to when we're uninformed on something. Like being able to say, I don't know, is just, uh, I don't know. I mean, it feels kind of freeing in a way where it's like, I do, I would say that I feel a lot of the time, the pressure to know everything. Because I know that I do have all of that information at my fingertips. But I also think in a larger way, in a scope, just saying, I don't know, is kind of freeing because there's so much that there is uncertainty around right now when it comes to the future. Like, and I think about that specifically around abolition. Like, mm-hmm. we have we have a lot of ideas about what we want to work, how we want it to work, the kind of future that we want to build and the kind of world that we want to see. Um, but I think that there is something very valuable in being able to say, I don't know, around, I have no fucking idea if those ideas are going to work. I have no idea how long they'll take to work. I have like, I have no idea of what I'm saying right now is the right thing. If it's the wrong thing, if you want to put things in the binary like that. But I think that there is a way in which, yeah, saying, I don't know around specific issues right now is so important because there's so many people fucking talking who don't need to be. And right. then there's so many people's voices who, who need to be heard that people aren't listening to. And yeah, um, right. like making sure that those voices are uplifted is important and saying, I don't know, but It's also envisioning is is being able to envision and being able to assume risk, which I think obviously as black people, I and if I can speak for the collective, we are so risk averse for so many important reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we want to survive and we want to thrive. But I think that saying I don't know is like, you know, we can open ourselves up to risk and we can open ourselves up to uncertainty and that's so that like, that's okay, that can be okay. And we can tell ourselves that that that's okay.
0: Because right now we have a lot of information that we do know that we don't want. Uh, And in a way there is comfort in saying like, well, I know how this system is operating already. All that data has been there, there's centuries worth of data. And on top of it, to your point of of the idea, especially around a lot of racial justice, like this has been a field of academia for decades. Uh, And there have been many people putting their life's work into these into you know theorizing these things and in uh and investigating them and trying to figure out what is a tangible way to dismantle these systems of oppression. And but then I and I've said I think I said this very earlier on. That's where there's another layer of racism that this uh form of academia runs into another like form of gatekeeping about sort of right. like well, what are these black and brown people are going to tell me about how the justice system and there's things get held up and we don't and th- that message doesn't reach the people it needs to at, you know, at, at, I think at the moment they need it. And now I think with a lot of this renewed enthusiasm or new enthusiasm from new people who are joining this movement, uh, yeah, it really is important to say, hey, you don't have to come in. No one's asking you to come in here, a fully formed ally who knows every dimension of oppression and how to just dis- like dismantle it. Right. The first thing is that you show your enthusiasm for it. You're and then you're all open. You are open to hearing things and you are open to learning new things, just like everybody else is, because I think the way we get to where we are is at a certain point, motherfuckers go, "Oh, I already know everything. So I don't need to keep I know what's best. I will keep going down this path of just funding the police and law enforcement and let the budgets keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, no support for social safety nets, et cetera. Uh, Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, and I think that we often operate in the way where we say we don't know so easily. Like we we care a lot about science and about the 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 parameters that happen around science, and know that it is a thing that is infinitely changing. And we know that that's the foundation of science is something that we'll never know everything. And the reason that we have science and that we have experimentation and that we have continuous learning is because we know we don't know everything. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. just applying that to to this. What a thought. <laughs> what what. what? Now, I already know everything,
0: <laughs> Eves. Can't tell me anything new. I already heard everything. I've already seen every episode of Law and Order. This so conversation
2: is
1: over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> done well, and done.
0: I think what's also interesting too is, you know, smart people especially I think actually have the hardest time saying they don't know anything. Uh, especially if your self-perception is like, oh, people come to me for information or I'm, I've am i been told I've been of like I'm sharp or whatever. I find mm-hmm. that that is a thing. Especially even for me, like I found, it, uh, you know, through years of therapy, being able to be able to say, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know that. Even though like you have I, – I, I know for me personally as a child like trying to know everything or get good grades like started a habit of like trying to know everything – But it didn't give me to the healthy place of like actually the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom, which is to then put your ego in the fucking trash and say, bring me all of the information so I can just blow my mind open.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I feel like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I I agree with you, Miles. Like, I want to say that I'm totally implicated in that as well. And thinking like, I'm a black woman. I know about blackness and like, you know, my experience is mine and really getting caught up in my singular perspective and like. Really having to unlearn and learn things in terms of like, okay, I'm seeing from my specific worldview, a a trans person's life, a black life is nothing like my black life is. And a person who is like from a different part of Georgia, like even if it's that small um, than I am, because I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, like their life is going to be very different than mine, even if they're a black woman as well. And just like snapping myself out of that.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I've I've felt that like I and I I wonder if it is connected to like how we are programmed to learn in America, where I I think that there are times where if you don't know something and someone tells you like that's not right or like I don't think you understand what is being said here, that there is like a tendency to take that very like personally and be like, what? I don't know something, you know, it's like there is a tendency to take it personally. I've felt that in. Uh, in the past as well and it's like just unlearning that mentality of like if someone tells you that you don't like first of all if you're not able to say you don't know something and you get it wrong Mm. like you have to not make it this like battle of the ego to just say oh okay i'm listening um which a lot of people struggle with for sure i
0: mean yeah that's just the i think that's the other thing too is that it's a much It's a lot harder, actually, to say you don't know, but it's actually the best thing you can do. I think, you know, that actually is a demonstration Mm of uh, higher aptitude, because you can learn anything the second someone tells it to you. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to put that shit aside and say, I don't know what you were talking about. Would you mind telling me about that? Uh, I think can be, you know, depending on how you look at yourself, a difficult thing, especially when it comes to politics and people's identities wrapped up boy. Yeah. Okay, moving on. What is something that you think is overrated, Eve?
2: So, something that I think is overrated is DIY anything, like do it <laughs> yourself. <laughs> um, I just moved and like there is there were various things to do like when I moved into my new place and I was like I can do everything and this is coming right. from a place I can probably say that I've kind of gotten out of this, but, like, often growing up, I didn't want to ask anybody for help, and I still struggle with that often. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can build this shed on my own. I know what I'm doing. This isn't going to fall apart in the rain. <laughs> right. <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> Cut to. Uh,
2: yeah, like, I know how to do all this. Like, I'm going to paint the whole house. And I'm like, girl, you... Uh, you, <laughs> First of all, you don't have to do everything. Like, there's there's no way you can do everything. And... um. I think the struggle that I have with it is like I know that most of the time, but I also really enjoy making things, and so there's this back and forth between if I DIY it, I'll have so much fun. Like I'll be crafting again, and I'll prove to myself that I actually have leisure time, and I'm not always about productivity and work and like that type Ooh. of thing. Yeah, Eves, are
0: yeah. you able? Are you able to relax, Eve's? Yes. actually
2: yeah yeah so yeah i i'm very the way you were the way you were
0: sort of like going through your mental pathway being like and i i am able to do leisure activities i was like (laughs) Uh oh wait okay so how do you how do you get down how do you relax Eve?
2: yeah i i do i will say it's very intentional that's something that i like uh i've learned a lot through a lot of my yoga teachers honestly um Mm. uh how important rest is just following a lot of people who i you know I like what they're doing, like what they're saying about when it comes to rest and sleeping and, and knowing mm-hmm. that I can't be here on this earth to do things for people if I don't relax. So I have to be really hard and soft at the same time on myself when it comes to relaxing. Yeah. Um. So I think like it doesn't even have to be super big. Like I love naps. So I'm like, I'm good for a nap. Nobody can tell Dang. me that I can't nap. I'm yeah. going to do it. Um. So <laughs> that happens. Um. And then I... What else do I do to relax? I like, I like to sit in silence. I meditate to relax. Mm-hmm. I. literally... You ever use the Portal app? No.
0: It's like Miles a. Is it's like a. Plugging. A, portal. <laughs> yeah, I'm always. I can't look when I know it's when I meet somebody week. who's a creature of solitude. It's an app that's like these, like uh, I think like Emmy-winning sound art, like recordist got these soundscapes from like a rainforest or like oh. a plane in the UK or like a mountain in the Alps or whatever, and it's just like. Like ambient noise, which oh I like my. to meditate with because it helps like, you know, put me in the zone. Yeah, uh, yeah. this
1: is not Spawn. It is simply... I know. This is like the has. saddest... It sounded p- like
0: cry Spawn for, the way you said it. Yeah, the saddest <laughs> cry for them to get put like do some ad spend on the show. But I'm like, nah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just preaching the gospel of Portal. Um, but yeah, user. the DIY thing, I think it's hard. I, I've, I started off thinking I could do everything. And after a few attempts at some like sort of complex uh, electrical work, I was like, no, this is not uh, this is not happening. I will not pay somebody me. to to yeah I'm, it's not worth burning my house down or you know uh, injuring myself.
2: Exactly. Yes, something
1: I've come to terms with on DIY stuff because I also love to make stuff and I love the like I could do a thing like that like, stubborn pride that i have about some stuff (laughs) but then it's it ends up even if i can do it correctly which often i just flat out can't it takes so much time and then you're like i've lost days of my life to not successfully making what this (laughs) 12 year old on youtube did in 45 seconds so yeah but that was sped
2: up though you do realize that that video was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah 100 times
0: wait so she didn't she didn't grow all that corn in 13 seconds i've been uh
2: i
1: i I don't know i've been getting into quilt youtube and they make a lot of shit look easy that is oh
0: don't get into don't get too deep into quilt tube um Mm -hmm. and what is finally eves what is a myth what is something that people think is true you know to be false or vice versa
2: so, I don't know if this is an overall myth, but it's something that I, it's a sentiment that I've been seeing a lot lately on the internet that's been floating around. And that's that black women shouldn't be told or don't need to be told that we're strong. Um, and I definitely understand the sentiment because it's coming from a place where so often our oppressors specifically are the ones who are telling us that, like we don't experience pain and that's in a very established way you know when that comes to um the medical industry um Mm -hmm. just always saying that and i know so many of us have had personal experiences but saying that our we don't experience pain that we're strong that we're tough that we can make it through this that we can make it through that there's the superhuman stereotype uh that we can do all of that and i think that Yes, in in that manner, like our oppressors don't need to tell us that we're strong, because if we take it contextually, we know their intention behind that. And we know that so long what public health has meant for black women and black people in general is death, like public health equal death when it came to black people. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, yes, all of that is true. And, And I just wanted to preface it with that, because. Obviously, that's the case, and I also can't speak for any one specific Black woman wanting or not wanting to be told that she's strong because that's her preference, and it's up to her, and right. it's it's that's one how that makes her feel. But I can speak for myself, and that I want I want Black women to tell me that I'm strong because I feel like in a way telling telling Black women that are saying that we shouldn't be told that we're strong is kind of affirming the idea that we are by. By nature, strong. Like it's affirming the it's affirming the oppressor's language and saying that we should assume we're strong. But I often need af- affirmation and confirmation from other Black women to tell me that I am strong because there's some. Sometimes I don't feel like I am, and right. sometimes I need somebody to tell me that I am, and that feels really good when it's coming from other Black women and from other Black women who I know that I love specifically and 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 close to specifically. And I think that there there are, like, caveats to to the statement, like, Black women shouldn't be told they're strong. Well, yes, and. It's like a both-and type of situation. There's some asterisks yeah. there. Mm.
0: I think everything is really, like, loaded like that, too. I've had discussions with some, uh, like, professors uh, who, you know, are, like, so in sociology and a lot of Black history. And I've even heard from them just sort of, like, the nature of the kneeling and how that is even... Uh, viewed it for like from a historical context problematic to see that as like kneeling in front of the pr- oppressor as a form of protest has all of this historical context behind it right. of the subordinate servant uh and blurring themselves to the master and things like yeah. that so at every turn right there's all every th- there's every there's so many dimensions to the ways that we can either protest or find strength in our existence uh but there's always this other historical backdrop to it that I think everyone we always have to be conscious of because there's all these roots like to the point of you know this fallacy or this like uh medically perpetuated myth that like yeah black women we'll, we prescribe less painkillers mm-hmm. um that that is all going back to this idea of you know uh the slavery and the idea that these black bodies are used to create revenue and are efficient at doing that and that continues so yeah I think it's an important myth yeah um, alright well let's take a quick break because that was a pretty heady over under in myth I appreciate that Ives uh, yeah. or Eve's. sorry mm-hmm. Ives is someone I went to high school with uh, <laughs> different person um, so thank you for that Eve's. and we will come right back and talk about some news right after this <laughs> and and we are back, and it's time to check in with America's good friend, Toxic Masculinity. Uh, there are so many many things happening uh, at the moment, uh, and there's just a few of the top stories are just sort of all kind of centered around this idea of this phenomenon uh, of toxic masculinity. The first is about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, So, you know, AOC has been a very vocal member of Congress, if you haven't heard, Uh, and conflict with GOP House members is not something new uh, for her uh, or many vocal progressives in the House. Um, But, you know, I think since white supremacy is trying to fight back. It's it's causing a lot of uh, conservative Congress people and leaders across the nation to get like really unnerved when people are like accurately describing white supremacy or forms of oppression that aren't tied to like, but they took our jobs rather than saying like, no, this is systemic racism or that, you know, poverty is actually the, the root cause of crime and that police actually isn't the answer to crime, because if we look at crime for what it is, it's it's. A lot of the crime we're talking about is because people have lost any sort of support system and are turning to crimes of desperation, etc. This Mm -hmm. apparently upset uh, Congressman Ted Yoho from Florida to the point that he like pulled up. uh, So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was leaving the Capitol building. And then this guy just confronts her like out in the open saying, quote, you are out of your freaking mind. Uh, this was after her talking about poverty and unemployment is the spike for crime in New York City, not because we're, you know, we're not standing behind our police or whatever narrative there is to vilify yeah. people standing up for themselves. And she said, "Okay." And then as it went on, she just said, "You know what? You're being rude." And after they parted ways, and he was going down the steps, he said he he called her the, an FMB, and then just kind of kept mm. it moving. Wow. Uh, she was saying, like, "I'm," she said this is new this uh, this kind of like in your face confrontation is new because the way she put it was for the most part a lot of the house members are able to put their partisan you know fighting appetite at the door and keep that for the floor of the house and then when they go out it's not like hey you motherfucker i'm gonna fucking debate you right now scream in your face so this is some new new it's like a uh, new
1: level of mask off um like f- f- coming, like during official discussions. Also, I thought it was pretty rich that Yoho's office only. First of all, Yoho, like I'm, just, <laughs> I just giggle every time I hear it because it's very pirate energy. Pirates life for me. <laughs> um. So so Uh, Captain Yoho sent <laughs> a. <laughs> but his response. First of all, he like the the. I mean, there are so many bad elements to this story but the fact that after the fact he like like demonstrably did that um which i mean leaves aoc with yet another um thing to deal with and have to have having to take time out of her day to speak to and clarify but then captain yoho's office sent their response straight to the daily caller Which is just like, well, if if you really need to make it clear that you're lying, make a statement to the Daily Caller. And he said that he did not call um, AOC any name at all and just flat out denied the entire thing. It's just, it's not surprising, but it is like, it is a, a new level of mask off. I
0: mean, toxic masculinity rule number one, never apologize to a woman for something you've said. I mean, release, that's straight no, up release playbook. a statement
1: to the Daily Caller saying that she's lying. Yeah,
0: like <laughs> or <whatever>. just the <laughs> deny It is. I don't know. I mean, like it. There's the, the responses seem more like fiery uh, now because I think if you, for people who are able to look at systemic racism and white supremacy and say, yeah, that exists and that's here and that explains a lot of these things, if some people are just turning the channel now and being like, that explains everything I've done. And it's not this entire worldview I've been like, like ingesting this entire my entire life. That's not real. There's this really intense backlash to it. But as I said, it's 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 how it's the only way you can ensure the survival of something like white supremacy is to have its defenders like this. who are going to get in someone's face and intimidate or attempt to intimidate them because they're speaking truth to power.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there is anything to be taken that is not completely negative out of this story because it is just horrible. But the fact that he got that shaken up by her words to the point where he felt the need to react just straight up aggressively in public uh, speaks a lot to, I mean, (laughs) the fact that she, you know, there's a lot of value in what she is saying and how thoroughly she's challenging it, it doesn't at all justify the backlash. But it's like if Captain Yoho feels that strongly, where he cannot stop himself from saying aggressive language like that to her, I mean, well,
0: I mean, I think seeing the waning influence or like the sanctity of not criticizing law enforcement, since that is waning. That mm-hmm. is really, I think, upsetting to a certain brand of racist who sees the police as the good stewards and shepherds of racism who will intervene when called and and do what they have to. Um, and even like... This week, like I was calling into a L.A. County Board of Supervisors meeting where, you know, uh, there's been this proposal to amend the budget to shift money away from the sheriff's department. You know, they don't need three hundred thirty million more dollars that can actually be shifted into communities. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting when you hear the people call in to give public comment who are opposed to it. It's all through this lens of, you know, I'm concerned about my safety or what have you. Mm. But really, it's like I need my. I need my attack dogs. And if those are gone, then who do I, how can I terrorize black and brown people or people who are different than me in, and using, you know, the, the, I guess the vagueness of law to, you know, enact that. So it's, it's, I think it's happening at at every level as depending on how deep the reckoning is, uh, that any sort of body decides to engage in, in terms of a reckoning with racism.
1: Well, he certainly made himself look like an absolute clown here.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, and you and you hate to see it, you really do. And okay, and then so moving on to, uh, you know, Judge Esther Solis's husband was shot, and her only son was murdered uh, a few days ago. And you know, in the, in the beginning, many people were like, "What is going on? How did this? What what is going on?" This federal judge had like a, a like a hit basically at her home. Was it the Deutsche Bank case that she's overseeing? Does it have, you know, people are like, does it have something to do with Epstein? Uh, this, that, and the other. And then a picture began to emerge of this lawyer with a well-documented past of misogyny, like a men's rights activist, like before the term was really out there, this guy was out here using his legal degree to, you know, cape for misogyny. Um, that this man was the suspect. Uh, they found him a few hours later uh, from dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And the it, they figured out this man actually had a case in front of her, but it was a lawsuit in which he was representing a woman and her daughter, uh, because they wanted to like r- register for the dr- like Selective Service, and because they couldn't, they wanted to just basically say that it was unconstitutional because it barred women from registering, and it was this very weird like lawsuit, uh, just because it like oh, sort of okay. fits in this his body of work, um, hmm. and. This guy this this guy Roy Den Hollander he's been like he's been sort of on the radar of like political commentators like legal commentators for a minute because for years he's been doing these really like lame lawsuits like you know uh, for people who have been like studying his history apparently things went south when he like his he got divorced from his wife who he like oh felt like God. just got got with her got with him to get a green card um and then Like that sort of was sort of like the inciting incident for him to go down this like legal march for men's rights. Like he sued Columbia University for that accusing them of uh, preaching, quote, a religionist belief system known as feminism. Uh, And because they were using like, uh, you know, money from the federal government to do that, he was like, oh, this is completely this is a total perversion of the separation of church and state. Uh, He sued bars for having ladies nights. Um, this is just kind of
1: the
0: Yeah. But it, I I think what's like really sort of unnerving, right. Is like, it starts off with this sort of fringe, uh, character who's using the law to, and you know, just sort of making headlines with these ridiculous lawsuits, but that gives way to sort of like this, like this was before we were there terms like incel or MRA or anything like that was really part of like the discourse or anything like that. This was just more of like this, this guy is doing that. Um, and now we're seeing it come play out to the point where he's, uh, you know, allegedly committing these crimes. It's just very, uh, I don't know. It's just a very dark.
2: Yeah, that's super dark. It does sound like, and I don't know if that's the, the feeling that you got from, from, from learning about it, but that kind of idea of whatever he went through, I think you said with his wife being the inciting incident for, for everything that he did. Does it seem like that's kind of a thing that they're trying to move accountability from his actual actions and no, I, linking I, I it to that s- incident.
0: No, I wouldn't say that that's like anything that the news has said in terms of trying to, like, this mm-hmm. is just from th- like the body of articles I've read about him where like this was from years ago where someone was mm-hmm. like doing a profile on him and he himself was mm-hmm. saying like this, like this was something that happened to him. And I'm not, I, and I don't, and I don't see it, and I don't want to go down that road to like singularly attach it to this trauma or whatever.
2: Got it. Uh sure. But,
0: it's it, he's definitely has this, uh, just a vendetta, uh, for anything that is related to like women exercising agency over their bodies or this yeah. idea that a business would accommodate a woman, uh, like, m- like to and say, like, well, then men should get that too. And then they're like, well, why isn't there men's, not-? you know, like that's just sort of the I mean,
1: or even asserting themselves over his personal opinion seems like. Uh, worthy of retaliation on his end, like it's yeah. This story is very very dark and and it it is. I mean, I would be interested in. I I didn't know about this story. I would be interested in learning more about. You know, it, it sounds like he's. It's the sort of thing where you start by sort of testing the waters of like, okay. What can I accomplish legally mm-hmm. to to uh, you know further my beliefs and make it clear that I am not on the side of feminism? It's a re- religion on and on, and then you know it 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 does seem like Esther Salas is possibly a wall of like oh I can't get what I want accomplished in a legal way. Um, right. Yeah. This is this is so sad.
0: Yeah, it's. It- I think it just shows, too, like there are things that we start off with, like certain fringe ide- ideologies and things that it's easy to dismiss because on its face, it's like it's so absurd and it's like kind of goes against everything what most accepted discourse is or the tone of society is right now. Mm-hmm. it shows you that, that it, it goes from laughing at something to then turning into something very violent and dangerous because it can gain momentum and i think it's important that you know just just being vigilant about these things not necessarily this uh this specific person but there are a lot of things that i you know the uh, uh ideologies that you see now that was easy 5 years ago to laugh out and now we're mm-hmm. seeing like you know qAnon uh followers of qAnon uh begin to make like make headway into actually becoming members of Congress. And next, uh, I just, this has been something I, it has been going on the last week, but I just want to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg really quick. Um, She, if you have any reason (laughs) to vote uh, in November, at the very least you do it. So this woman can hang up her robe and live out the rest of her days in peace. This Uh, the Supreme court justice, man, she has been hanging on. Uh, Now she says she's been very strong and I believe that, but I feel like someone at this point, I think if there were any other administration, she might be more open to retiring, but given the the tone of how the Senate works and what this president's aims are, it's all about putting in more uh, absolute, just rubber stamps for whatever the conservatives want done in this country or want dismantled. So if, anything were to happen to her we all know that Mitch McConnell would be more than willing to fill this vacancy uh and she last week she went to the hospital for a possible infection that ended up being okay uh but still I mean I just remember that like every news thing I read twitter anyone was like oh my god rb anytime they hear that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in the hospital it like uh it it, it, people have a very visceral reaction to it I think given that what has happened with when justice Kennedy retired, uh, and then seeing that whole confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh and even Gorsuch before that. But it's just a very, very, uh, I think for people who have their head in the game in terms of looking how a lot of these legal cases end up at the Supreme court, that Mm -hmm. this is something that isn't, uh, we can't, I guess not, it's not that we're taking it lightly, but it does have, it could have dire consequences, uh, if something awful were to happen.
1: Yeah, I RB, I mean I it is never not baffling to me that you know the, the fact that it a uh, very like uh, a figure like Ruth Bader Ginsburg remaining alive and healthy um could possibly affect so like literally everyone in the country is like her yeah. the health and well-being of one uh like elderly person it, people's rights hang in the balance. That just uh, doesn't seem right. like a good system. Uh, and I I mean, it's like, I, I'm like kind of critical of like the cult of RBG. There's a lot of good stuff yeah. written about it where I just, you know, like, no, you know, making politicians uh, like celebrities above reproach is never a good move. Yeah. But in this case, it's, I mean, just speaking to her, her health and and the fact that her health is connected to the well being of the country, like it's just, it just reminds me of how how flawed that system is. That just like we shouldn't have a system where that's the case.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, and it just feels like a pile on. I mean, just emotionally, collectively, it's like how much more can we take? You know, just thinking of it from a non logical standpoint <laughs> and a purely <laughs> right, emotional right? one, it's just like wh- this on top of everything else um, that's happening in twenty twenty. I think is. It would seem almost unbearable, and having to think about that even potentially being a part of our future, I think, yeah. is just—it's a huge toll.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah, to your point, Jamie, like that's why a lot of people who are trying to sort of find ways to amend this system we have are like, we need terms. Like, it can't just be lifetime appointments, uh, because then the balance of power can be completely thrown off. You get another conservative judge in there, and it's f- fucking lights out. Uh, effectively for a lot of uh, progressive causes and issues. I mean, like then it's not just like it. it's it's every single thing. It could be from the water you yeah. drink to the people we uh, like are welcoming into this country who are seeking asylum to the rights of trans people to the to the systemic racism that's going on or uh, every, like every single thing. And it just shows you how when the system is like that, how easily it can be manipulated because conservatives can just play a game. We'll be like, well, maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg has to retire or something. And then we can Mm -hmm. strike and then install somebody. And then the deck is completely stacked and lopsided for generations.
1: Right. Yeah. I find, I find it very, um, ghoulish how like our entire country now has to like frantically be refreshing their news feeds to see if, like someone is sick or not like it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg should, should be allowed to retire. She is very old. Uh, so many, yeah. but, but the consequences of that are so great that of course she's not going to. Um, Yeah. The way the Supreme court is set up is um, stupid. I don't like it. Hot take.
0: She, d- she did want to tell people like, you know, uh be- when the next time she went into the hospital, it's, the news came out that she was undergoing chemo uh, for her liver cancer as she had a statement that said, quote, my most recent scan on July 7th indicated significant reduction of the liver lesions and no new disease. I'm tolerating chemotherapy well and I'm encouraged by the success of my current treatment. I will continue biweekly chemotherapy to keep my cancer at bay and and am able to maintain an active daily routine. She's been treated for cancer five times. Um, and it just feels like I a wow. lot of responsibility to be put on somebody to say like, I'm sure she's thinking, well, if I leave, who are they going to put in, and then what happens? And that's yeah. just
2: a, yeah. And I feel guilty for 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 wanting her, you know, to stay. Right for for wanting right. her to push right. through that. I'm like, damn, what kind of person am am I to know that a person has been through something that is so so taxing on your body and want them to continue using their body and all of their strength and energy. To fight yeah. for an entire country. It's it's like. It's
1: it crazy. feels very weird to. Yeah. To like be on your feed Like this 87 year old woman can't retire. Like. But <laughs> right. she can't. That feels very and American though. Right. right. Is know, that the hill that I, I
2: want to die on? I'm not sure. <laughs> right. No.
1: Like. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah like, I, t- I hope it she's is well. This... Like.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But again. It's. Just show I remember when Kennedy said he was gonna retire. I almost like had a I was like uh, like a wave washed over me. I'm like, oh my god, now they get another Supreme Court pick. Uh mm-hmm. and that yeah. brought along with it uh, another just awful, awful public display of lack of morality or humanity. Um, so yes, it is it is uh, very harrowing to be <laughs> like just praying every day that this person can make it to the election uh and pass that. All right, uh, mm-hmm. let's let's uh, take another quick break and we'll come back to talk uh, some other stuff after this. And we are back. And do you guys remember Patricia and Mark McCloskey? That name ring a bell? Mm-hmm. i didn't i couldn't I couldn't tell you these people by their name except I remember the photo with the woman's mustard stained shirt uh yeah. with no trigger discipline ho- pointing a handgun at unarmed peaceful protesters and her husband big dog mark with his cool little khaki and pink polo number uh just brandishing an AR like is like it ain't nothing um yeah. it was it was a very it was the probably one of the more 2020 photos we had seen of this like frightened uh like upper middle or, you know, upper class suburb white flight family, just being like, Oh my God, they're, they're here. Uh, and sort of seeing like how it plays out in people's minds based on their media diet. But we've heard their side of the story about why they had to do the brave thing to defend their castle because the pro the peaceful protesters breached the gates of their anti poor fort or gated community and therefore, was cause for concern and the brandishing of weapons. Uh, so now, uh, it turns out that they have been charged with unlawful use of a weapon, which is a felony. But fear not. Uh, because the governor of Missouri, Mike Parsons, essentially said, oh yeah, if, if they're convicted, I will probably, in all likelihood, pardon them.
1: He's like, well, they look like my what? neighbors, so probably <laughs> yeah. I'll just let them get away with it. I am so sick of hearing about these people. Yeah. Um. I w- can we just like put them in a panic room and bury the panic room? Like, I'm just so sick of these people.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those situations too, Miles. Like you were talking about earlier, how it starts off as something that just seems very, very jokey, yep. jokey, and like we we got all these mm-hmm. pictures and we got all these memes. But like, wait, hold on. They were pointing guns at people, and whenever you point their finger someone, on the trigger, you're ready to you're ready to kill them, even when your finger isn't on the trigger. Yeah, I mean, if you are the respons- responsible gun owner that you claim to be, you know that right. pointing right. a gun at someone means death.
0: Period. Yeah.
1: Right. And then th- seeing the, uh, I mean, it's like the. I understand that. Like, I don't know, the memification of 2020. It was always going to happen. It it to an extent makes sense, but the to see the conversation like be making fun of this couple for not knowing how to hold their guns and then just kind of skipping over the fact that they were <sighs> holding guns, like it's like. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I think, but that all right. depends on your level of engagement with the issue. Like, if you are mm-hmm. a cisgendered, heterosexual, white guy who likes guns and you've never known oppression, you look at that image and you laugh because in your mind you would have been busting, licking shots at these people because they better not okay. be coming on my. Yeah. And I damn sure know how to use a gun. That's why my criticism of this image is that they weren't doing enough. Or even if I was a responsible gunner, my the thing that is offensive to me is the gun usage. And that's what's interesting to see how everyone brings, I think most people of sound uh, conscience will go and say, oh my goodness, these people are just pulling out the straps because these people are peacefully protesting against systemic racism. And your response is to pull out the strap. That must mean you are there to defend white supremacy. That's in my mind, that's what I see too. Like you also can see this fear in these people of, Whatever this fear of a black planet, brown planet sort of mentality is of like, it's the fourth quarter for us, honey. And we're not we're no longer the MVPs. It's this really. Uh, <laughs> it's a
1: 2020
2: ink blot. Yes. The, the fact that they continue to perpetuate this idea, like all of the protesters are the ones who are trying to start the civil war when you are the ones with the guns times. in your hand. And I'm pretty yeah. sure if a civil war happens, it's going to happen with arms and ammunition.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I mean, even now, like you look at the federal, you know, the Fed police, the DHS or ICE troops that Trump is sending into cities. I mean, Mm. how long till some, you know, some racist people want to cosplay as those people and say, oh, well, these people don't have to identify themselves and they're disappearing people and snatching them up off the street. What's what's stopping me from dressing up like them, even though I'm not law enforcement and and enacting the same shit, because this everything is so chaotic right now. It's just very. You see all the elements there for something awful, awful, awful to happen. But it seems like every time like people who are the activists and the people in the streets are finding a way to not take it there, even though clearly the opposition is always sort of goading people into some yeah. kind of direct violent confrontation. <sighs> but again, yes. Right, right.
2: It's like we're always on this precipice.
0: Yeah, it is. And it it does feel like that. Now let's just check in uh, with Trader Joe's uh, because, again, you know, I think anyone that has patronized a Trader Joe's knows that they like to fuck around with the names and be a real witty, especially with the ethnic food. And it seems like those days are coming to an end uh, again, because many people are trying to have a reckoning and saying, like, is whiteness the default for everything? Is that the baseline for everything? And if so, let's look at that and begin to examine that and deconstruct that. Um, Mm -hmm. So at Trader Joe's, you've probably seen names like Trader Ming's, Arabian Joe's, Trader Jose's. Trader Giotto's and Trader Joe Oh, shout out to the Japanese half. Uh, you know, like it's on there really? all kinds of yeah. you've
2: never
1: seen I don't you, go I, to Trader Joe's. Wait, wow, whoa,
0: what? I haven't been in a minute, but oh yeah. yeah you always, yes. Yeah, that, like If it's like a habanero thing or it's like something like uh like Mexican food, like an enchilada or something on the thing, it won't say Trader Joe's, say like Trader Jose's and like wink. <laughs> um and I think for there's a huge petition going around being like <laughs> People need to sign up against this bullshit because it's so fucking disconnected from like the the times right now. And also in general, like it, it's written from the point of view where whiteness is the default. So if whiteness is the default, then this thing that is a uh, habanero sauce now has to be Trader Jose's. Uh, or if it's gyoza or potstickers, now it's Trader Joe's son. Uh, and it's just this like really... I think like lame ass marketing shit that was like left over from the '90s when like your entire boardroom is just like white marketing people who aren't gonna take a second to be like, "Shoot, is that is that the best thing?"
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's and and wasn't this um this petition to uh was also started by a teenager?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't have no idea.
1: I believe I I was pretty excited for it, both for the person who started the petition and the fact that it accomplished something relatively quickly but it was yeah. yeah it was uh i i believe it was a teenager who created an online uh petition and it got a huge response and then trader joe's kind uh. of re- re- responded relatively swiftly the fact that th- this existed in the first place is so ugh,
2: yikes! it does I, it does kind of feel like 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 well we would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids because there's yeah, a part of me that wonders yeah. Why spend the time on creating all this different kind of marketing in the first place where you could just stay standard? Like, was it actually helpful to them in terms of marketing in any way? I mean, I know there's never a need for justification of white supremacy and it it, it perpetuates itself for no reason, yeah. but
0: it's um, that exotification of yeah, whiteness.
1: Mm. Right. And in a very cutesy way, too, that is just like in such bad. It's, it's it's the
0: same way like you know white people will get together and like laugh and you know be like oh arigato and just like ha 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 about it you know having their sushi dinner or some shit that's the same mentality. It's like you know be really fun is if we don't call him Trader Joe. And I don't know if you remember the Karate Kid, but that Japanese guy, uh, Mr. Miyagi or whatever, he was like Daniel's son. So we'll call it Trader Joe's son. And now it's <laughs> it's like cool. It's like it's like authentic now, right? It's like is why this is a
1: grocery store doing? It's yeah. just
0: so ugh. Well, here's the thing. So along with that petition, <laughs> they talk about this sort of like the mentality of Joe, the man behind the to the first Trader Joe. Like how that first store, the first Trader Joe store, had an, a nautical theme. Most Trader Joe's stores do have some kind of like net, netting, or like buoys or some shit like kind of on the wall. Um, but guess, the first one yeah, was run the
1: Hawaiian shirts.
0: Yeah, they had the nautical theme. Everybody were called, like, they they were described as traitors on the high seas. And at the time, Joe of, of traderness, uh, had been reading a book called White Shadows in the South Seas. And this is all from this petition website. And he'd been to Disney, he had been to the Disneyland (laughs) jungle trip ride and it all just coalesced. (laughs) To this day, Trader Joe's crew members consider themselves (laughs) traitors of the culinary seas and are known for their bright. Oh God. And are known for their bright tropical themed pattern shirts.
2: Oh, what okay. a tacky origin story.
0: Yeah, right?
2: <laughs>
1: I, ugh, like, yeah, that's, that's so embarrassing. And the cor- o- like,
0: the, yeah, the only time referencing the jungle, like, the jungle cruise ride, if you're referencing that, it better be about how it woke you up about how you need to, like, uh, like liberate animals from captivity or some shit like that. Not just like, yeah, and that gave a me a cool idea.
2: Yeah, for like yeah, a I,
0: vibe. I, this is a whole ass vibe, actually. Like, here's what he
1: took from so, it. So. <laughs> So just to clarify, yeah, it was a 17-year-old high school senior named uh, Brion- I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm saying her first name correctly. Brionis Bedell. Uh, the 17-year-old started this, and now Trader Joe's uh, is going to stop being casually racist. Like it's. Uh, that's uh, uh, Jungle Trip. It, Real. I mean, it's like, and then yeah. look up the well, history of Jungle f- Trip.
0: <laughs> what's even funnier is. Um, this book that he was reading, "The White Shadows in the South Sea," there was a film that was made out of it, and it's about like the terrible legacy of like sieve trading companies and like pulling up in the South Pacific and just decimating cultures, taking resources, pillaging, and then bouncing off with their spoils so they can begin to profit off of their uh, their trade routes. And like, but the movie's kind of weird too. That people were saying that even though like it. Obviously, just talking about the negatives of these trading companies, it also has like these other really bad tropes of like noble savage and like the white savior shit. Uh, So in the end of the day, like this is the trader thing. It all comes from a, I don't know, some dude who got really into his seafaring shit. And then I I mean, it makes sense in that sense, the logic they're following. Like, well, yeah, we're plundering the earth and stealing shit from people. So why not bring it back to our shores with like these funny names that they can all laugh at? (laughs) well the good thing is the petition did go somewhere uh it did, but appa- yeah. well i guess more in the sense that someone from Trader joe's claimed that like they had already resolved or like resolved to end this naming convention for their products uh and there's sure. and they're saying like it was actually years ago but it just needs some time to reach all of the packaging and products like as we roll out new designs then they're gonna like be there so like but we, yeah but we knew but we knew but we knew Sort of like,
2: we got
1: it, we got it, we got it, we got it. We just haven't done it yet, but we were gonna we were actually going to do that anyways. So thank you for <laughs> your suggestion. But I mm-hmm. actually thought of that mm, two years ago. So thank yeah, you. Yep, 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 yeah. yep.
0: Oh man. Well, Eves, thank you so much for joining us today on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, listen to you on the many shows that you do?
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me uh admittedly, I am Pretty bad at social media, but you can find me at Eve Jeffcoat on Twitter. I am at not apologizing on Instagram. Um just uh, finished up this day in history class, but you can still listen to it at this day in history class. Um, also on unpopular, and you can listen to me on those shows. That's that that that's it.
0: And, and, <laughs> and hey, and people love Bridget Todd around these parts. You've also done a show with yeah. Bridget, too.
2: Yes, I have. How could I forget? Um, Afropunk Solution Sessions, um, which is an amazing show. And Bridget is an amazing person. I love hosting that show with her. And check that one out, too.
0: Perfect. And is there a tweet or some other work of the social media that you're enjoying?
2: Yes. Uh, y'all definitely gave me a, a run for my money on, on this one and figuring it out. But um, <laughs> I. Oh, so, OK, here it is. So at Michael Harriet said one of y'all didn't turn to your neighbor and repeat after the pastor, and now the whole country is on the sick and shut in list.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Which, uh, as a as a person who grew up in in the South and in the Baptist church, against mm-hmm. my will, <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I kind of related to that heart,
0: oh, and I yeah. think we
2: all can relate to the COVID bullshit happening right Oof. now. So
0: oh, absolutely. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, thank you for yeah. coming b- coming by and help me helping me out, helping this old substitute teacher out. While before the kids realize he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, where can people <laughs> find you and follow you? And what's some uh, social media stuff that you like?
1: Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help. You can find me on Instagram at Jamie Christ Superstar. I'm looking for uh, something I enjoyed that I first saw on social media um, was that Ashley Ray did an interview with Michaela Cole for Elle magazine this week. It was just like a uh, writer I love and I've really been enjoying. I've like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michaela Cole's. So it's a really good interview. Um, it you can find it on, I, I found it linked on Twitter originally and um, yeah, it's a good read. It will make you want to deactivate all your social media accounts in a good way.
0: Yeah, man. uh, You you realize how easier it is to relax when you don't like doom scroll all day. Uh, So a little bit of self care. Uh, Okay. Well, some tweets that I am enjoying. Uh, The first one is from Luke is Amazing. It says, pronouncing popsicles like an ancient Greek name. Popsicles. I don't know why I. I thought this was Why? so funny
2: uh
0: and the other one is from at krista peter saw i think she couldn't fit the n on there it's a it, and the tweet is just me in the parent parentheses reading philosophies what which i just don't i don't know I i really resonated that was as someone who tried to get into philosophy in college and was too high when he came to class and didn't have enough dedication to the topic to endure all that uh but you know i see you out there uh yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at miles of gray uh and also my other podcast for 20 day fiance so if you like 90 day fiance and you just want to get a trash round of you just stop by that's what we do to take our mind off the ills of the world and we focus on the ills of reality tv uh, and you can also find us on twitter at daily zeitgeist on instagram at the daily zeitgeist we have a facebook fan page okay Uh, And we have a website, DailyZeitgeist.com, where we produce, produce, uh, not produce, but we post our episodes and our footnotes.
1: Fortnite.
0: Thank you so much, Jamie. Uh, And also the songs you write out on. Also, don't forget that The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. So if you want more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get them. But just get them and subscribe and rate and review and do all that uh and now for the song that we shall ride off into the sunset in uh it's called Afet, a-f-e-t by derringer and this is just a really dope you know me i like a little sample based production this has a really wonderful drum break over like this really uh like vintage sounding like electric piano lick that's playing throughout it this is again. This is like background textures. You know, if you want to get some work done, but you also need a little something to go get your shoulders moving, get your toes tapping. This is it. So that's Derringer with Afez, and you know what? We'll see y'all later. It was a trending episode, but until then, see you later. Bye. Thanks.